1: You're listening to The Uncontested, an Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast, featuring Jacob.
2: Oh you haters come
1: at me. Taylor.
2: You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. Upgrade your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really
1: wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete. Kamiar. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin.
3: I'm too
0: fast
3: what is up welcome to the uncontested podcast we are a part of the blue wire podcast network you can find us anywhere you download your podcasts and on twitter at the underscore uncontested you can also find blue wire on twitter at blue wire
2: pods i'm jacob today i've got justin
4: what's up
2: we've got taylor just wishing the thunder had fluffier pancakes to be honest Fluffy, dude, pancakes are overrated. You gotta go with waffles.
1: You're Man, overrated. I got You're overrated. <laughs> I'm gonna start the podcast off with talking crap on pancakes because pancakes like, aren't nearly as good as waffles, dude. Get Big the fact. f out of here! You know the pancakes are great because they soak up all the syrup, and then you can use the excess syrup for like any sausage or stuff that's next to it. Unless you just like want to eat some weird crispy bread with yeah with with 100%. Yes, <laughs> bill, Waffles are just pancakes with abs. You guys are garbage. In pancakes <laughs> with <reports>. abs. <laughs> pancakes well, are I'm sorry, under- I got off,
2: off on that tangent, but uh for those who maybe didn't see the Presti Presser today, he had a little reference to pancakes. He was kind of making fun of the other reports out there saying that um, you know, well we'll, we'll get into it. But anyways, it was a, a reference from Presti's Presty's um uh, uh, interview thing that he had, his press conference that he had. Thing. Interview thing? Yeah, I went blank. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to multitask and read and yeah. <laughs> None of you guys uh, prefer
3: French toast over pancakes or waffles though, right? Right. Uh,
2: I do love French toast, but I don't prefer. French
3: toast is good, but it, it's not on the waffle level. No,
1: let's say uh, pancakes are one, French toast is two, and a distant third wow. is
4: your waffles. <laughs> I've never disagreed with you more on any subject than I do right now.
1: Waffles are garbage. Oh my gosh. I bet y'all are the types of people that put like peanut butter and crap on your waffles and Okay, I don't do that. Don't do that. that. I'm very much syrup.
4: I I like peanut butter on waffles. Why not both? I bet you guys
1: I bet you guys put ketchup on like chicken strips and fish sticks. (laughs) Absolutely not. I don't even eat fish sticks. I
3: haven't eaten fish sticks (laughs) since I was like seven years old.
1: Can't confirm.
2: Or that, that I don't either. I'm, I'm no. <laughs> Actually, Jacob, I've been spying on you. <laughs> what you eat? <laughs> uh, that's creepy, bro. All
3: right, let's talk about uh, Sam uh,
2: Presti. Uh, fish
1: sticks.
3: On Wednesday night, news came across that Sam Presti would hold a press conference Thursday morning at eleven o'clock. Uh, conveniently, that right before that announcement came across, Chris Paul finally made an Instagram post about leaving Houston and joining Oklahoma City. Uh, Presti's press conference, also, the announcement for it came right after Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were announced in Los Angeles with the Clippers and had their introductory press conference. So everyone wakes up Thursday morning getting ready for a Presti press conference, and then we also find out that Presti wrote an op-ed that appeared in the Daily Oklahoman today as well. to me, really coming across as Presty wanted to get ahead of a lot of narratives, you mean and very wa- wanted to, yes, okay, and, and wanted to kind of spin, um, spin his tale as well. And uh, so, so, I don't know if that's the reason why they did this, but let's just dive into it. I guess the first thing, let's talk about the op-ed. A, a lot of people kind of found it controversial. Uh, Twitter kind of exploded today because Presty was quoted in there as saying that small market teams are at an I don't I can't remember the exact wording, an extreme disadvantage, a, a heavy disadvantage when team building compared to to bigger teams and bigger markets, and a lot of people started playing the the Seattle card again. Yeah. So, just kind of, kind of, what did you guys take away from from Presty's op-ed?
2: here's a quote given the way the league system is designed small market teams operate with significant disadvantages there is no reason to pretend otherwise this is in no way this in no way oh, and so that was kind of taken out of context because then he continues to go into you know there's no way and this in, in no way means that we cannot be extraordinarily successful we and several other small, small to mid-market teams are our own best examples of the ability to overcome these realities it simply means we must be thinking differently optimistically finding our advantages by other means which i think is uh very accurate
3: Yeah, I mean a lot of. I I think what you said is incredibly true, Taylor. It just got taken out of context. I mean, he was saying if anyone disagrees that small market NBA teams are at a disadvantage as far as team building, uh, they're just kidding themselves.
4: Yeah, there's a reason all the big stars ended up this summer in L.A. or New York. You know, yeah, and
3: people people want to make the spin. Oh, well run franchises really got rewarded this summer. Look at how the Clippers ran things. Look at how the Nets ran things. It's in freaking
4: New York City and Los right. Angeles. Comparatively you know? to the Lakers and Knicks, sure those those franchises look great, but they're still in LA and New York.
3: Exactly. So you you it, it's a matter of perspective. You know, you can say, "Oh, well-run franchises uh really cashed in on on being well-ran and and got big talent." What on the flip side, it's well, no, really, it was big markets like LA, like New York, like Miami that cashed in.
2: LeBron wanted to be in, in Los Angeles in his career. He wanted his sons to play basketball in Los Angeles, grow up in Los Angeles, went to reside in Los Angeles. There's nothing you can do about that, which leads into a bigger topic we don't have to get into, obviously, about the whole player tam- tampering and things of that nature. I mean, no matter what you do, like you said, Jacob, players are still going to flock to the New York cities and the Los Angeleses, and that's... That's kind of what Pressy was getting at here. I will say, just uh, with his his little or his fairly long, I guess, article that I came out with with the Oklahoman. Um, I read it obviously when I woke up before his press conference, and I kind of had like after reading it, I kind of had the impression like uh, like we're, we're going to rebuild. Um, it's going to take some time. And like, okay, well, then maybe we aren't going to compete this season with like Chris Paul and Gallinari. And like, maybe he is just going to try, to try and trade them, um, you know, as soon as possible. And I'm very much for that. Uh, but then obviously listen to his press conference afterwards. It seems like he's still very open. And uh, he even mentioned in there that one of the advantages that they have right now is the different options that they can kind of go, you know, like you don't have to just absolutely tank this season. Um, you, you can do that the following seasons, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's kind of what stuck out to me from his, his article that he had or that his, that he came out with uh, his, his letter to fans of Oklahoma city. He said, the
1: biggest that thing I, Oklahoma city was, he said that Oklahoma city was like the second smallest market. Who's the first smallest? New Orleans, I believe. Is it really is New it Orleans? No,
3: it's not New Orleans. Um, Utah? I, I, it might be Utah. It might be San Antonio. San Antonio,
1: Because Utah, although they are a small market, they had a very big summer. So, I'm
3: just, yeah.
1: just throwing that out there. So you, I know Utah is
3: one of the smaller markets in the San league. Orleans. I want to say the smallest might be San Antonio. Um, Milwaukee is probably in the bottom five. Uh, but I don't know who number one
1: is. I mean, San Antonio did... Did get screwed over because of the whole small market thing because Marcus Morris was like, yeah, I'll play for you guys. And then at the last second said, no, I'm not going to play for you guys because
3: (laughs) after San Antonio traded away a player to make room for him, David, and then he bailed, which was kind of really shitty. I
1: I might be thinking of Memphis Um, Memphis five, four, three, two, one Mm -hmm. Grizzlies
2: are second. Okay, so this, this says Pelicans are the smallest um, and then Grizzlies
4: and then Thunder. So I don't know how accurate this even is. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. I think the way I kind of interpreted his op ed more than anything is I feel like the biggest challenge that small markets face is landing those free agent guys. And I felt like what Presty's article was doing was maybe trying to prepare fans for the way that this rebuild is going to go down. It's going to be the Presti way. It's going to be built through the draft. It's going to be developing young talent. It's not necessarily going to be like what we've seen from some of these other teams where they've landed the superstar guy because I just don't know if Oklahoma City can do that. And obviously, you know, we've had examples where it's happened with Carmelo and Paul George, but we've also seen how those Two situations have worked out in the long run. So what I took away from it is, you know, get ready to to develop young talent. I think there's going to be frustrations. You're going to hear people criticize Presti whenever there's a you know a big name free agent out there of like Presti. What are you doing, hanging on to all those draft picks? Why people, don't you go get that criticize same Presti? No, never.
5: Yeah, it never <laughs> happens.
4: <laughs> but I think it's it's you know settle in. This is going to be this is going to be a process. We're not going to trade. Eight draft picks for Bradley Beale tomorrow. Right. Exactly. Gonna, That's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> We're gonna do this a long way, kinda. That's what I said in the Slack as
1: soon as like his op-ed came out. It was like, "Oh, get prepared to suck, guys. I mean, you've been pampered, Basically. For, pampered right. for the last like I don't know, ten years almost. So uh it's about time you felt pain again.
2: That's where I was exactly where I was gonna take this take this as well, Kalmere. You said uh pampered, you know, and I mentioned we've mentioned this on the on our podcast before, is that Thunderpants we truly have been spoiled to an extent it's not every day that a GM goes and drafts Kevin Durant and then Russell Westbrook and then James Harden and then is able to sustain uh, success almost beginning immediately and for over a decade right he's saying don't expect me to draft three MVPs right off the bat again and like Justin like you were saying don't expect me to go out and or don't expect us to go out and trade for a Bradley Bill or Carl Anthony Towns you know whoever um, it, it it's not you know it's not every day that something falls into place the way the Thunder did for the, their first decade. And, yeah, uh, and, and, and also, I think every team in the
3: league goes through these ebbs and flows of of success and then kind of uh, bottoming out maybe isn't the right word, but but riding the high and then riding the low. I mean, we were just talking about how these major players and and in L.A., like players are always going to flock to the major markets. Well, when you look at the ebb and flow, like over the history of the league, the Lakers have been really good. But the past seven years, like they haven't even made the playoffs because they suck so bad, you know. So, so every is that team as much
2: in his Clippers press conference.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like every team has these ebbs and flows, and, and like you guys have said, you know, it's it's kind of like the Thunder have have been pampered. They've they've had all of this success, and now the the pendulum swings the other way for a while. And I think you guys are exactly on the head that this op-ed was written to to kind of tell Thunder fans, Hey,
1: temper your expectations. It,
3: it, yeah. It's going to be a process. It's going to take some time. So let's let that lead into his press conference. Uh, any takeaways, thoughts, feelings from that press conference? Uh, I have some, but I'm going to let you guys kind of throw out some
1: ideas. First. He was basically complaining without saying he was complaining <laughs> about a lot of things.
3: I got the that way.
1: Yeah. He was the like, he, way. he was definitely pissed like 100%, especially about, man, tell Rumble to shut up. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Dang, dude. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, But uh, he was basically really pissed and talking about Paul George, and he was like, well, I wouldn't put it that way in the translation of what he meant by Paul George saying it was like mutual. He really meant that's some BS, but hey, we weren't going to fight it because Russell already asked for a trade before the season anyways, so – I mean, he was just really sad and angry and basically saying it's not fair being in a small market, but we're going to make it work. And he kept on talking about how he can't predict the future, even though, like, didn't he say it was his job as a GM to predict the future like two months ago? So
4: whatever. I feel like it was uh, people have been going back and forth about PG's comments of the way he left versus Presti's comments of how it went down. And I think, you know, honesty is probably somewhere in the middle. I think it's it's probably pretty good PR spin by both sides. Paul George is trying to spin it to make it seem to make himself not seem like the bad guy. He don't want to be seen as the guy that was, you know, ring chasing or, you know, flirting with the other girl while they're in a relationship like that kind of thing. And then I think Presty is also trying to smooth it over of like, you know, we had our hands tied. There was nothing we could do and we did what we had to do. And I'm sure there's, there's, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I think all the reports about the Thunder being open to trading Russell Westbrook, I'm sure there's some smoke to that. And this was kind of Presty's way to maybe push back on that narrative a little bit and kind of get his side of the story out there. Definitely.
3: So, so on that, the part of Presty saying, you know, I I wouldn't call it mutual on the, PG getting traded, you know, he said, you know, trading Paul George wasn't at the top of my summer to-do list. Reading between the lines, this is what I kind of got. And you guys can can tell me if I'm off base here by any means. But I feel like Presti has always, regardless if it was Kevin Durant, if it was Reggie Jackson, um, now with Paul George, players that have left, or talking about other players. I feel like Presti has always been very careful and calculated.
2: Very conservative. And calculated. In how he talks
3: about things. Because he doesn't just want to come out and throw somebody under the bus or badmouth a player. Because while being being good and positive and, and being on the player's side, maybe won't win him anything. I feel like if he came out and just shit on Paul George and said... No, it wasn't mutual at all. He came in and demanded a trade, so I had to do what I could. You know, I feel like if he would have done that, that would resonate around the league, and other players would have seen that and been like, "Oh, well, in Oklahoma City, the GM won't really have your back." Yeah, and you so it's me. Away with it that. it kind of felt, Angeles, but not yeah. It, it felt like he was just trying to to save face publicly, um, mm-hmm. even though that probably won't win him anything. The opposite is if he would have not saved face publicly, it probably would have lost him a lot. Does that I make think, sense?
2: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's kind of what I was going to uh I was kind of wanting to get into uh with you guys here. First of all, I paused that like the perfect time. I saw Rumble like go up to the window and I knew he was instantly going to start barking because there's a like a jogger going by. Um they start going crazy. But man I hate joggers too. I know, yeah, fair. Joggers. <laughs> um I think you know, obviously the Paul George thing was a, a quote that kind of stuck out but Outside of that, there wasn't really anything that he said that stuck out to me particularly. I think the one takeaway I really took from it is how candid and open and honest he was with the media, with fans, with everybody. And something I found interesting is it's very well documented and uh, reported and well known across the league that the Thunder organization as a whole, particularly Sam Presti, does not let things leak to the media. Obviously, we had no idea about the Paul George trade uh, or trade request. Uh, We thought Russell was going to Miami and not Houston. Those are two recent examples. But everything he said echoed um, two particular articles after those trades went down. One from like Royce Young on ESPN, who's very connected with the Thunder, and the other one with Brett Dawson in the Athletic, who's also very well connected to the Thunder. And just made me and like there was even certain phrases he used that were almost identical to those articles that we read. It just made me think and wonder like, as soon as this went went down, it's almost like Presty instantly went to them and tried to start pushing out this narrative. Right? Um, We were planning to give this one more shot, one more year, one more shot with this core. Um, Paul George and Russell Westbrook were on board and, you know, they were frustrated, but they were on board with it heading into July. And we were shocked by the Paul George uh, trade request, but we felt that this was the best opportunity for the organization moving forward. And, you know, now this is where we're at, you know? Um, and I just thought that was interesting because we don't usually see that from Presty.
1: He refused uh, to use the word rebuild. He used yeah, and replenished like eight times.
2: Yeah,
3: I, I thought that was that was idea. interesting. Like <laughs> it was like Voldemort, like he just couldn't say the name. You know, like, mm-hmm. he just couldn't call it a rebuild, right? So no, I, I think that was interesting, Taylor. You brought up the fact that he he basically just straight up said multiple times we had one year left, and then ne- this time next summer, Paul George is going in the last year of his deal, and I think he was very much insinuating that at this time next year they were planning on trying to trade Paul George. He but the the, the return that they could have gotten. Later on down the line versus now, just the, the return they got on their Paul George trade, they had to pull the trigger.
2: Yeah, there was a segment where he basically said that and then said, you know, um, and there's no telling where we could be at this time next year um, after the season's over. You know, we, we'd probably be looking at a similar situation and we wouldn't have been able to get nearly early return. So yeah, absolutely. You so, know, interesting. One thing, one other thing I found interesting and, you know, with the whole Paul George and Russell Westbrook upset kind of things, Royce is really good about dropping. So if you guys don't uh, subscribe to the Dream Team, you might not know what I'm talking about, um, the OKC Dream Team podcast. I, I really, We all enjoy listening to it, particularly because Royce, like I said, is very well connected with the Thunder, right? And he just occasionally will drop these tidbits, and you can kind of read between the lines. Um, the first like, time I really remember him doing this and that really kind of caught my attention is some certain things with Kevin Durant, um, how Kevin Durant viewed Russ, the organization, his last couple of years with the Thunder, he kind of did the same here recently in the past couple of podcasts. I don't know if you guys have noticed it with Russell and he's mentioned twice now how Russell's relationships, particularly within the organization he's heard weren't nearly the same as they were early on. And I think a lot of people within the organization were getting very, uh, frustrated, maybe even annoyed with Russ and how he kind of just was a major control freak. Um, and, and, and then obviously the reports come out that they were uh, open to listening to trade ideas. They weren't like shopping him or anything around the draft, but I just kind of found those tea leaves kind of interesting. And um, I'm curious your guys' thoughts on that. It almost makes you wonder if they just, I mean, they're going to get it this year and they were kind of ready to move on from Russ and they just kind of spiraled out of
4: control. I mean, I feel like if they were entertaining the idea of, trading Paul George next summer, then Russ was absolutely on the same timetable. I think what happened this summer probably would have happened next summer. You find a deal for PG and then you talk to Russ and find a situation for him after that. It's, it's interesting. I think it's a little bit surprising from our perspective to see the Thunder act that way. I think we, we all imagined a scenario, a likely scenario in which Russ plays for the Thunder for life. But I think realistically you know, we kind of said this when it first went down. I don't know how much we believed it back then, but it was like, you know, this might be a blessing in disguise for the Thunder that that PG demanded a trade and it went down like it did just because of the return they're going to get. And I think the more time goes on and and comments like what we got today from Presti, I think the more that rings true for me of, you know, if the Thunder hadn't done this deal now, they would have been in a much worse situation next summer more more than likely still without a championship, but just not as well set up for the future. Agreed.
1: I have no comment.
3: (laughs) Yeah, me neither. The only thing I was going to say about, (laughs) about those relationships that Taylor was talking about is like, I think you're much more likely to put up with bullshit when you're winning and you're making conference finals runs. True. And whenever you're winning one game in the first round and then getting bounced, um, I I think those those little things start to become bigger
2: things. That's a really good point. I agree.
3: So, let's talk about what might be little, or for some people, might be a big deal. Uh, Thunder have new jerseys. Oh yeah, uh, yeah they do. Justin, why don't you talk about these since you are
4: you are the resident jersey expert here?
5: Mm, uh, give us a rundown. I like
4: that title. I like I like that. So, Thunder introduced four new jerseys for next season. Two of them look pretty familiar. Uh, The regular Association and Icon jerseys underwent minor changes, but still uh, basically the only changes they've ever had since they've been in Oklahoma City. The blue jersey now says Thunder on the front. They changed the color scheme a little bit, so the lettering now has navy blue and orange outlines, similar to the city uniforms from last year. They also revised the striping on the side, so instead of being a traditional stripe, With trim on it, it's now just a single uh, kind of big pattern stripe with the orange, the yellow, and the navy blue. And then on the white uniforms, it now says the awful stacked Oklahoma City word mark on the chest. And then they changed the trim on that to be light blue instead of navy blue and adjusted the side stripe as well. Then we have... The statement uniforms. So last year's, the last two years, the Thunder have had the navy blue statements with the orange OKC kind of split in the chest. I think everybody's been a big fan of how those have looked, even though if you follow me on Twitter, you know that they performed pretty horrendously the last two years in those uniforms. Uh, This year, they're bringing them back, but now it's an orange color scheme. With white and light blue. I think it looks pretty good. I don't think it looks, looks a little as good. It looks a little nicky. It yeah, it feels kind of creamsicle ish. It reminds me of the creamsicle shoes that Katie yeah. wore a couple times. It reminds uh, me of the Florida Gators. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I can see that well, it's everything much brighter about, than
1: I expected. Everything like about not- this darn team reminds me of the Florida Gators. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Billy. I had coach, Billy, organization, Dajunel. now they
3: just need Bradley Beal. At one, yeah. Beal. At one point, Beal.
1: Shea Gilgis-Alexander was committed to the Gators, and then yeah. everything. Full, Full
4: circle. circle. Times a flat circle. Yep. Yes. So maybe they'll bring out like a Gator skin alt this year. Who knows? Hey. Gators. Um, but the, I mean, the I mean that
3: SGA is, uh, is the the drip king, right? So he'd probably rock right. a Gator Grim, skin jersey.
4: Prince. Um, So the uniform that I think is most interesting, uh, the other three are kind of rehashing different designs that we've had before. But the fourth uniform is the City Edition uniform. It was created in partnership with the Oklahoma City Memorial Foundation. Uh, They worked together to create a design to honor the 25th anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing. So there's some really intense symbolism all throughout the jersey from using the National Memorial font to putting the uh, reflecting pool at the bottom of the shorts and the the gates. I forget what they're called. The gates of time or and the, the little chair design is on the side of the uniform. They've got the survivor tree on the belt buckle just top to bottom. It's really kind of packed with symbolism. But I wanted to get your guys thoughts uh, around what do you think about this uniform? Do you like it? What do you not like about it? Just overall thoughts.
1: I think it's a really good uniform and a lot of people have been wanting like a black and gold uniform for the longest time. Like I've, I remember seeing renderings of rebranding and of yeah. course like fans will want to talk about rebranding for like the past however many years and a lot of their rebranding had to do with like Native American stuff but also being in black and gold and yeah. they kind of they did away with the Native American uniforms for this year which I think is that sucks because that was a really good uniform. Like, are Those they going to the bring? Yep. Are they going to bring them back next year after this twenty fifth year of uh, memorial thing is over? But I think they're really cool. There is a lot of things going on in that jersey that people don't realize, and um, yeah, I, I mean, I would buy it just because like it means a lot to OKC, and I know when Sam, whenever he gets a new player to sign with OKC, like he makes them tour down at the memorial and stuff like that. I do think they could have placed the survivor tree a little bit more skillfully and not right above the crotch. Cause it looks like a weird bush and that oh my <laughs> it makes everything look really <laughs> awkward. <laughs> so I, I think they could have put it like on the other, like part of the Jersey, like across from the loves patch. That's also garbage. Yeah. But that's, generally- that's, that's true.
4: True. One thing I did think was cool in the press release, they mentioned that as part of this initiative, the thunder would be, Um, basically funding a free admission day to the museum every one day, every month during the season, which I thought was a really cool way to kind of go beyond Mm -hmm. just the uniform. Cause I saw some criticisms, mostly from people not local to Oklahoma city talking about (laughs) Seattle. Right. Well, I hope they're donating, you know, the profits from that uniform, to the, the memorial or to the survivors or something like that. And the only problem with that is apparel sales all get pooled together. Like every team's apparel sale gets pooled together and split up between the leagues. So you can't technically do that. So I kind of saw this gesture of, you know, funding admission to the memorial as a way for the thunder to still show financial support, probably largely based off the profits they'll make from selling that jersey uh but do it in a cool way that supports the actual memorial they're, they're doing it because really cool. they save so, so much, much money out. in
1: tax dollars they can well afford that too they that can helps. Afford it. thanks for us they can afford yeah. it
3: um i think the jersey is really cool as well i like it um i i'm in that camp that come was talking about that i've always wanted a black thunder jersey
4: even though this is dark gray yeah oh, charcoal. To put that out yeah
3: um <laughs> A lot of the symbolism, the the minor details that went into it, uh, I know I think to a lot of people don't mean a lot, but I think to Oklahomans it means quite a big deal. And you know, I I had heard that they were possibly working on a on a Oklahoma City Memorial jersey since Nike took over the jerseys, yep. but it it just makes sense that they would do it this year, being the twenty fifth anniversary, and. Out of, even though it wouldn't result in a good draft pick and and yada yada yada, I think it would be so cool for the Thunder to make the playoffs this year because the actual 25th anniversary is on April 19th, which is r- during the first round of the playoffs. First round typically starts around April 14th, and so for the Thunder to get to wear cool. those jerseys on the day of the 25th anniversary. That'd be. Awesome. Uh, I just think it would be really, really cool.
2: Very powerful. What about I uh, you, Taylor, I, I did I I like obviously the symbolism is is incredible. I think all four of us uh, and also Nick we all have been to the the memorial multiple times and it's just as powerful every time. In fact, after these got released, I was thinking it's been long enough that I really need to make a point to go back this coming year, especially for the twenty fifth. But uh, in terms of looks. I do actually like the color scheme. Uh, it's very unique. Obviously, obviously, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with like Thunder traditional colors, which is kind of nice for a change. I just, I don't like Oklahoma City spelled out on this one or the white jersey. I just wish like like Amen. you have said, Justin, is can we please just do the, like Andrew Schleck says this all the time. There, there's not, no other OKCs, you know, like they aren't going to get us confused with Kansas City, KC, so Go with the OKC logo or something. Yep. Uh, yeah, we, I kind of hope the statements it
3: become the 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 base jerseys moving forward and the get the rid of the the convoluted OKC, just the the mass amount of letters. But I do think for the bombing ones. Uh, spelling it out makes, the entire yeah. city kind of makes sense. That, I think great. it makes
2: sense for sure. Also, okay. The uh, if if you guys haven't seen it yet, please go to Justin's Twitter at OKC Tracker, and his latest mockup he did is like four predictions on what the earned edition. Since we made the playoffs last year, we get a fourth yeah. trophy. Um, so the four yeah. mocks, and they are sh- they're all four sharp.
4: So, they'll get there will be a fifth uniform that they'll add at some I'm point sorry. during the year because they were one of the teams that made the playoffs last year. And the way it worked last year, which I'm assuming is how it'll work again, is those uniforms were just kind of recolored versions of, for almost every team, it was a recolored version of their city uniform. But I think the Thunder and maybe the Spurs were the only ones that had a recolored version of their statement uniform instead. So, I would expect. One of those two will show up again in a different color scheme, at some point during the year, giving a, the Thunder another option. The statements in that white look so so good. good. That's so my good.
2: dream. Yeah. And even the uh, the cities that you did uh, the alternate colors they looked really sharp too. I I liked them all.
3: I so Justin, before we move on from jerseys, you're you're the one person I know that can maybe answer this. I know a lot of Thunder fans absolutely loved the Native American themed city jerseys from last season. Yep those just completely out of the rotation for good now
4: yep so the way nike kind of set it up when they took over is association and icon would be you know your your base forever jerseys statement when they first took over the nba they said the statement jerseys would change every two years so this is the third year from what i've heard only about half the teams in the league are changing their statement uniforms this year the other half are keeping them so it seems that you know, plan has changed a little bit. And then city uniforms were meant to be, you know, the the biggest departure from teams, typical equity. So that's why you had the thunder wearing teal. You had the wolves wearing purple. You had crazy stuff like that. The jazz wearing orange and red. Um, It was meant to be a big departure because they would only be around for a year. Now the the jazz, for example, they had that, um, you know, the Arches themed uniform for two years. So they got an exception. So it's not out of the question that the Thunder could bring those teal uniforms back. But the intent from Nike's perspective was always to have those be one year deals. And I mean, you saw it when those came out, the merch that they made, they didn't make a lot. It sold out pretty quick. And I think the intent is, you know, it's all limited edition. It's exclusive. It's it's here and then it's gone. Uh, so I wouldn't rule out seeing it again, but it definitely, I, I don't think we'll see it this season.
3: Gotcha. Um, all right, before we move on, let's talk for a second. Summer is pool time. All pool owners know the hardest thing about owning a pool is keeping the water safe. Testing your pool water is easy, but figuring out what to put in it can be a pain. Sutro has solved that problem. Sutro's free pool chemical calculator takes the hassle out of treating your pool. One simple text-based interface allows you to test, text, and then treat your pool. Go to mysutro.com slash bluewire to sign up for Sutro's free pool calculator. If you own a pool or you have friends and family who do, tell them about Sutro. It's the simple, safe, and convenient way to keep your pool water safe. Take the guesswork out of pool work with Sutro. Sign up for free at my sutro, That's mysutro.com slash bluewire. So the Thunder have some new coaches, finally. We've talked quite a bit about this. They had like half a roster of coaches to, to rehire or to f- go find. And they have finally made an announcement that they have done so. They announced them all at once. And all of them are promotions from within the program, uh, except for Brian Keefe, who used to be with the Thunder, had left for a while, and is now coming back. Do you guys have any any thoughts at all on the new coaching staff?
1: I think it's the most Thunder thing ever.
4: Internal development, baby. God. <laughs> I think it makes sense for the direction of the team right now. You know, they have a young, a young squad they're developing. They're not trying to win a championship. I think it makes sense to give your young internal coaches that same opportunity. And as this team progresses and the rebuild progresses, if some of those guys aren't working out, I think you look to bring in people that are maybe a little more proven uh, that have a little better pedigree, but I think for right now it makes a ton of sense for where the Thunder are at. I was going to say something similar. I think, in the way that uh,
2: this is kind of a transition year for the Thunder between obviously the contender and now the rebuild, uh, I think it's going to be a transition year and phase for the coaching as well. Kind of first, uh, first of all, it, th- these guys are going to be cheaper, right? Like you're going to have to pay somebody from another team more than you would pay these guys yeah you're gonna have to to incentivize somebody with money to come to oklahoma city right particularly without paul george and russell westbrook to coach um so i think it makes sense i i I mean i don't really know it's kind of a trial year for them as well so so we'll see um they obviously know the organization and i think that's big as well with a lot of young guys you know they can kind of implement a culture and kind of start fresh rather than having a you know some alpha dogs in the locker room that control everything right so yeah uh, i'm also
3: I've also wondered, you know, we talked about the coaches that were, that departed and left and how much of a factor it was in that decision for them that Donovan was going into the final year of his, his contract. And if he doesn't get picked back up after this season, a new coach comes in, a new coach typically brings in a new staff. I wonder if that kind of played a part in recruiting coaches from other teams to come to Oklahoma city, you know? Why would I go to OKC and coach for one season and then maybe you guys have a complete overhaul in the coaching staff when I could stay where I'm currently at and my head coach has three years left on his contract, so I know I'm safe for at least the next three years. You know, I I've wondered if there's, if there's anything there at all.
1: It makes it so easy just to phase out Billy Donovan and start with a brand new coach.
3: And a brand new staff going into the season. That's a good point. Yep. I totally agree. Um, more flexibility. Yep.
1: You know who's going to succeed him is his, is the guy that succeeded him at Florida, which is Mark Dajanel. Isn't that funny? He's a better coach.
3: (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then, and then Brian Keith was with the thunder, uh, left whenever Derek Fisher went to coach the Knicks went with Fisher uh, has gone a few other places in the league and is now coming back. Do you
1: think Keith um, hung out with Dirk Fisher and Matt Barnes' wife?
3: That's a good question. You can only know. hope. Yeah. Maybe he did that. And then, like, the next night he'd go hang out with Matt Barnes. That's yeah, how Matt Barnes get found out.
1: Tet- tetanus shot. Out. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Going to hang out with Matt Barnes means you drove off to the trailer park.
1: <laughs> We're, there are never mind nothing wrong with living in a trailer park (laughs) Just matt barnes fits the stereotype
3: god um okay let's let's because we got some more stuff we want to talk about on this podcast so let's talk about russell westbrook uh when you guys listen to this pod because it will upload uh, very early friday morning it will be the day that russell westbrook is getting introduced as a houston rocket You you guys have any interest in watching that at all
4: Yes and no, but also yes. I'm
3: kind of. I'm just kind of interested to see how he's going to act with the media in Houston on his first time out. Is he going to like mind his p's and q's, or is he I just going like, to go full dickhead mode again?
4: <laughs> I feel like he's going to be similar to how he was when he signed his extension in Oklahoma City, and I feel like it's. It's honestly, it's probably bigger than that. It's usually it's off season. Russ is different than in season. Russ he's That's a little so more relaxed. True. And I think, I think he'll be, you know, you'll see some of his personality. I think he'll be a little more laid back. I think as, as soon as the season starts, it'll be same old Russ, but I'm curious to see, you know, what he says about Oklahoma city. I'd assume he's going to get asked questions given PG's comments and Presti's comments. He's going to get asked a way in. I'm not sure we'll get a straight answer from him, but I'm still interested to see what his take on that is. I agree. I am
2: very curious to see his comments on. OKC, how he acts. Um, Brody's not ha- Brody's so Brody's Ever since Russ has gotten trade. Anytime we bring him up, he always barks so sad. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely curious and I'm, I'm kind of excited to, to see how he acts and how he reacts to some of the questions he's asked for sure. What if he just like next questions, to everybody the <laughs> yeah. entire time, that would be um, pretty incredible.
1: I'm just going to ignore it and act like it's not happening and then just wait till opening night and then just be sad. Um, and I'm going to act <laughs> yeah. like it doesn't exist, so I don't have to worry about it, even though it's going to get retweeted everywhere.
3: That's how I solve my problems as well.
1: What if uh, what if he, they don't exist? What Push if I ask back him all those good. questions and he just talks about and he just unloads on Sam Preston? And he just talks about how unhappy he Dude. was in OKC and how much better of an opportunity he's getting in Houston with Harden. How, 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 how bad would, would that hurt your feelings? That'd be pretty <laughs> <no> damn bad. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be that really would be, bad. That exactly. would be shocking. Uh, that like, would
3: be upsetting spaghetti.
1: What if he said stuff like, yeah, Sam Presti alters the lineups, and he and Billy Donovan and Scott Brooks had to heed to that. And that's the only reason why a guy named Andre Robertson, who can't shoot a basketball, played, oh what would you do? <laughs> uh,
4: uh, I don't think it'll be that. If he does do anything, it'll be way more like passive aggressive, like sub tweets. Of like, yeah, I'm really excited to to play with uh, a bunch of shooting surrounding me, and it'll be like, yeah. dang it, Russ! It's so yeah. nice
1: to actually play the way I've wanted to play my entire career, and I'm just getting a new, you know, new look at a title with my brother James that we traded a long time ago. That we, that when OKC shouldn't have traded Would have been <laughs> nice to keep, twist <laughs> the knife.
2: Uh, it it awesome. should be very interesting. Plane in the old sure. days, you Many. know what time have they? Took? I haven't seen a time yet for it. Neither have I. I don't know. Twitter will tell
3: us. I'm going to ignore it. It's
4: not happening. Yeah, I think, I don't think it'll hit me. I don't even know if it'll hit me, like, first game. I don't think it'll hit me till they play the Thunder. Like, till that happens, I don't think it'll feel real. Yep. No, I'm with you. Agreed. Uh,
3: Speaking of Russ, I have a a little game I want to play with you guys uh, about some Russell Westbrook memories. But before we get there, uh, let's talk about sleeping real quick. Look at the world's largest tech leaders and high growth startup CEOs. I bet you wonder how in the world they have that kind of an inexhaustible energy to do what they do. The answer will surprise you. The latest trend with top tech leaders is sleep optimization. While most Americans are not getting the sleep they need, tech founders and CEOs are optimizing their sleep to perform at peak levels every day. Their first step, the pod by eight sleep the ultimate sleep machine the pod is the first and only high-tech bed designed to help you achieve peak mind and body performance are you looking to sleep deeper the pod dynamically adjusts the temperature on each side of the bed so you're comfortable all night do you want to know your sleep intel the pod tracks your biometrics while you sleep with no need for wearable technology do you want to sleep better Enjoy personalized programs and coaching designed by experts guiding you towards true sleep fitness. Because the better you sleep, the better you everything. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, we'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. Only at 8sleep.com slash bluewire. They already sold out of their first two batches, so they're going fast. For a limited time, you can get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash bluewire. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash bluewire. Okay, so speaking of Russell Westbrook, I have a game I want to play with you guys. Uh, kind of to revisit some of the, the best Russell Westbrook memories from his time in Oklahoma City. So what I've done is I've scoured the internet. I've gone to YouTube I have found some of Russ's best plays and I've ripped the audio from the TV call of that game, uh, the TV call from the Thunder broadcast or the national broadcast, not the other team's perspective. And so I'm going to play you guys a 30-second clip of a Russ highlight and I want to see if you can immediately identify uh, the game, the scenario, the team they're playing against uh, and just what you kind of remember about that play. Sound good? I'm just excited to hear Brian Davis, to be honest. It's a lot of Brian Davis, and it is really fun.
1: Uh, so <laughs> uh, let's see
3: here. I have I have five. We're going to do. Um, let's start with this one. Here we go.
5: Jackson, all well, these guys hands up. KD going to give it to pocket at the elbow off the heel of the iron. Rebound. Shane. By Oklahoma City Westbrook. <laughs>
2: Hell yes, That's, that is the Warriors game yeah. in like November yes. back what 2013,
1: 2012. inbounded the ball, Seth, dug, running out of bounds.
2: You were at that game, Jacob. I was at that game.
1: Yeah, three, KD. We three were three all
3: amazed. Seconds. KD gave up the ball to Serge Baca Yeah. <laughs> For the game, <laughs> he bricks that, yeah. the jumper.
1: Wait, you mean then, that Kevin Durant was passive against the Warriors and didn't <laughs> it to started
3: back it, in 2014, man. That's awesome.
4: What a! I remember I was I was in Colorado skiing, and we didn't get the game there because it wasn't it wasn't a national TV broadcast. And I woke up the next morning. And pulled up the highlights and just watched, you know, like the two-minute Sports Center clip with my jaw hanging on the floor because of the way it ended,
1: which it is really hell of funny. Game. Because Katie gave it up, gave it up to Ibaka, and then when Cephalosha dove out of bounds to save the ball and give it to Russ, Katie was like yelling for the ball at the top at the at the, at the corner of the perimeter, yeah. and it was like was like basically like telling Russ not to shoot it, even though he gave it the ball. Give to Ibaka. me the ball. Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah what a great that play a that was a fun one dude that was that was one of the best like russ when he hits clutch shots i feel like they're just they feel more momentous just because of who russ is and like the way he celebrates yeah the way he it celebrates just, the play is, incredible is the best that was okay so, Warriors with David so speaking Lee. speaking
3: of yeah Uh, That might have been Warriors before Iguodala, too. I can't remember.
1: They had Iguodala. It was David Lee, and they still had uh, Mark Jackson, who Kendrick Perkins believes is blackmailed or blackballed, and apparently Patrick Patterson believes it, too.
3: Yeah, they're idiots. We're going to move on. Uh, Speaking of clutch Westbrook moments, here's your next one. This one's so much fun. Uh, This one is, is around 45 seconds, so give it some time. Uh, to, to work through the audio. Oladipo, one assist away from the triple-double. Robertson checking in.
0: He pulls up from three,
4: and he's caught it. With 3.9 seconds remaining, Oladipo.
0: The Thunder, out of timeouts. Westbrook spotting up inside. And he's got it!
5: And he's got it! He's got it! With... Seven-tenths of a second remaining. Westbrook almost to half court. Banks it in and we're tied at 117.
1: Can you believe it? I feel like I don't have to that say was... much because Brian Davis explained everything. I miss I just Brian have... so much. Yeah. So, <laughs> can,
3: you, can you imagine? Who's even our new guy's name? I can't even remember. Fisher? Chris. Yeah. Chris, yeah. Chris, Chris, Chris. Fisher. it trash. He's got one-tenth of the enthusiasm that Brian Davis had.
1: Yeah. He also called Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Russell, oh, my Russell, goodness. Westbrook. Russell. Yeah. Russell Westbrook.
3: Uh,
4: okay, so you guys remember that game? Magic. Yeah, I was going to say it's Orlando, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah. yeah. I got thrown off at the beginning with I the know, Oladipo. I know, exactly. So, yeah, Kevin Durant
2: hit a shot, and then Russ goes down and hits that from half court to put it in overtime. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun.
4: This is yet another game that I didn't watch. So we're oh doing good so far. You're I was at a never movie. allowed
2: to watch Thunder games ever. Again. <laughs> and I'll also
4: tell you that. So the beginning of
3: that call, when Oladipo hits that shot, is when he goes from left to right and uh, and hits this nasty like pullback step back on Robertson and just completely shakes him. That wasn't when Robertson was kind of at the the peak of his powers. Uh, as far as defensively just yeah. buried that three and it was a hell of a play by oladipo
4: it's good so, that was another
2: really good yeah yeah that was
3: a fun one um okay you guys ready for the next one
2: ready yeah
3: this one this one might be my favorite russ play ever if we're being honest um again about a 30 second clip so give it time to, to finish and then we'll talk
5: westbrook with the steal jailbreak what a It's all over. Don't
0: even bother. how did he get through? I was looking right at it, folks. Like from probably said that the pass is not going to get through.
1: That's the nutmeg yeah. of Corey Joseph. No,
4: no, 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 no. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He nutmegged Corey Joseph on top of everything.
1: Hey. <laughs> hey. <from me>. <laughs>
2: bang, bang. that that was good. Yeah, that well was incredible. That was during uh, the the MVP season, yeah, and he, he threw it between two so on a fast Not break. Not only was it.
3: it a nutmeg, it was a from one like sideline to the other sideline, about half court. So it was about a 60-foot pass, a <laughs> one-handed, off-the-dribble, 60-foot bounce pass that nutmegged Corey Joseph and hit Victor yeah. Oladipo. Oladipo oh,
1: didn't even know the ball it was, was going to be in his hands until it literally bounced in his hands.
3: Yeah, like he was like bobbling the ball on the layup.
4: Can you imagine if Nerland's Noel had been on that end of the pass? He well, was really <laughs> and, run the entire And moment. remember
1: that was a that was a big win for OKC because the Raptors were yeah. like, just like tearing teams apart and they were OKC just uh, they made it work and they they beat the Raptors kinda handily in that game, did they not?
3: Yeah, and Steven Adams just had were. his absolute way with Jonas Valanciunas in that game, which was fun for me.
4: I actually watched that game, so that's a plus. hey. We
3: actually got one that uh, that
1: Justin's actually seen. Because I remember, I remember I was about to get on a plane from New Orleans back to Oklahoma City, and I was watching on my phone, and that was the last play I saw before I got on the airplane. <laughs>
3: that's awesome. Yep. awesome. That's all I yeah. needed to see at that point. Doesn't even matter what the outcome is. All right, I have two more for you, you guys. Ready? Yes. Yes. Okay. Here we go.
0: The in this game. For the Thunder, Westbrook,
3: okay. Any clue what that play is? That that one might be the hardest one to decipher.
2: And it was kind of hard to make out. Uh, who
4: oh. with twelve? That wasn't was that that wasn't the Lakers like crazy scoop shot. Yep, yeah, that's what it
3: is. It was oh, yes. That a boy. It was a I don't know if you catch at the beginning, I but he says sessions with the foul because it was
2: Ramon Sessions that Yeah, Sessions, and he scooped it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that we crazy scoop shot from like in. fifteen feet out. Then he does like mm-hmm. the the tiger fist pump mid to cry, yes. and there is that picture of him just like going crazy with the the playoff OKC fans in the background. Yep, and you
1: see that them the guy on on
3: the press row. Uh, just has his hands on top of his head like you can't believe what just happened. That that shot
1: wouldn't count in today's NBA. You know
4: that? I think about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the moment I feel like where it was like, okay, Oklahoma City, like we're here. I felt like that was like the arrival moment a little bit for the team and, and kind of legitimized us as a franchise.
3: Uh, That was the game where i wasn't at that game but i was downtown at thunder alley whenever there's like ten thousand people outside the arena um and then that was the game where the shooting happened afterwards and they shut shut all of that down
2: oh i didn't
1: realize that was the same game, yeah. Yeah, it, the same game. It's it was the same game yeah because there was like a graduation going on the same night and somebody yeah got mixed it up was in the that place was
3: insane Okay, the last one, uh maybe the most memorable Russell Westbrook call. I bet it's not his... the Denver game. Hey, why don't you just <laughs> shut up and listen to the call, Spoiler buddy? Hey.
5: I I thought hey. you were going to use it. Was out, out of timeouts. One. Adams gives it back to Russ. Deep shot. Get it! What a perfect ending! To a, a historic night. day. Westbrook gets the demon. Thunder the victory at the pleasure From 40 feet away, Westbrook drains his fifth triple that
0: leaves him with 50 points, and the Thunder with a dramatic come-from-behind victory.
1: I remember running around my apartment just screaming at the top of my lungs.
4: Yep. 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 Unreal. Yep. Just absolutely ridiculous. I I screamed so loud then. I remember this was... Shortly after we had my son, and he was taking a nap, and so I was <laughs> trying to celebrate without waking him up because he was just a few months old, and waking up like a three month old is about the dumbest thing you can do. You were sleep deprived, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But it's incredible. Uh, he so he secures the triple
2: double record on that game. He essentially secures the MVP. Denver fans are are chanting MVP. He knocks Denver out of the playoffs, and not officially, but. In a way, kind of secured the Thunder's playoff spot all in one shot, which is just phenomenal. You remember,
1: yep. Samajay sure. he got that triple double. Samaj he made the three point.
2: Yep. hey, shout to Samajé. Mm-hmm. He uh, he signed somewhere overseas. I just saw, so you know, he's still making a little bit of money.
3: Yeah, cash them checks. A perfect Jacob, ending to me. a historic
2: day. That uh, that
3: call. I don't know if I'll ever forget I'm that bad. call.
2: Yep. Uh, I thought you were gonna use the one that yeah, pinned to your profile, Jacob, of this past season where Russ had that no look pass to Steven and uh, the, Berg's face just yeah, dropped. Like, the the spin hell. and drop off.
3: That's maybe got that's probably my favorite Russ pass of all time. Uh I don't I don't know if I can put the nutmeg over that one because the nutmeg was like fifty percent luck, where yeah, right. the, the spin and drop behind the head was just like you could tell he knew he was making that pass when he got to like yep. the three point line.
4: His yep. face is incredible. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, uh, so, out of those five plays, which one is your
1: favorite? I'm just really sad now. I don't want to think about
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great.
1: I'm gonna go cry again. Real.
2: Thanks, Jacob. Yeah. Sorry. Hey, remember this really
1: good player? <laughs> uh, I, it's gotta be that you don't have anymore because James Harden. That's better in Houston. <laughs>
2: uh, I I'm gonna go with the Denver shot. I mean, that's just it was one of the most historical moments in basketball history. Much less Russell Westbrook, um, but the scoop shot's up there for me. The uh, Warriors; those are my top three: um, Denver, Denver shot, scoop shot against the Lakers, and then the Warrior shot. Um, those are all really fun ones. And like you said, just the Brian Davis calls. <laughs> you, you I'll can't phrase it him. like
1: this: my in my favorite my favorite Russell moment was the Denver one because, of course, that solidifies his MVP race. That solidified a lot of things my favorite Oklahoma city moment from that was the scoop shot versus LA.
4: Yeah.
3: I think that's, that's a good well way to put it. it. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. Um, all right. Any, any parting thoughts, uh, about uniforms, about press conferences, about coaches, anything before we get out of here,
1: I'm ready to get hurt again. Love you. Russ. I'm ready for stuff to pick back up. Football's
2: right around the corner, which is exciting. Both college and NFL. And then before we know it, It'll be training camp and uh and time to officially start this new era of Thunder. Andre basketball.
1: Robertson is gonna be able to go. He's gonna yeah. be our first
2: star baby, franchise cornerstone. Franchise cornerstone.
3: He's all right, come well, that note we we shoot
1: all for... the threes. <laughs> uh...
3: Thank you guys for checking out the podcast. We really appreciate you. Again, you can find us anywhere you download your podcasts. We are also on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. Uh, so go subscribe, go follow us, leave us a five star rating wherever you subscribe to the podcast at. You can also find our podcast network, Blue Wire Podcasts, on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. Justin is at OKC Tracker. Taylor is at Taylor underscore P15. Uh, Kamiar is at, is it K Moravian Oh, you
1: got it right.
3: Oh, look at that. I am at ThunderMob405. Hey, we have a really exciting podcast series coming up for you guys soon. We're going to do a season preview of all 30 teams in the league. And for each team, we have a guest coming on to do about 10 or 15 minutes of an interview to talk about that team and what they expect for the 2019-2020 season. We have some awesome guests lined up. So it's going to be a really cool way for you guys to listen to our podcast and really get a feel for the entire league heading into next season since there's been so much change. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be coming probably starting mid to late August and running all the way up to the beginning of the regular season. With that, we will talk to you guys next week. Have a great weekend. Uh, Enjoy the nice weather if you're in Oklahoma City. And as always, Thunder Up.